0: Hello, listeners. On this show, I talk with everyday African Americans who are able to transform their passions and struggles into their dreams. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. In this episode, I interview Dr. Danielle Peebles, owner of Pro Health Family Chiropractics in St. Louis, Missouri. In our conversation, Danielle and I discuss how she got into chiropractics, methods used to counter the negative effects of long-term sitting, and a not-so-well-known adjustment technique that can be used to increase fertility. So sit back, tuck in, and listen to this new episode of the Black Gold Podcast with Dr. Peebles. Welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. Today with me, I have Dr. Danielle Peebles. She is a chiropractor who lives in St. Louis, Missouri, and she currently is is working in a chiropractic practice, and she wants to share today how being a chiropractor, how she was first able to become a chiropractor, and also how she has used that in order to serve her community, in terms of offering them healthy living tips, as well as adjusting them physically. In order to live more healthy and sustainable lives. So Dr. Peebles, welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing very well as well. In talking, I remember that I asked you if there were any beds that would be helpful in terms of like the hardness or the softness, in terms of people understanding like which bed is Better for their back, but you had a very specific answer to that question, and I would like for you to uh, to share with the audience.
1: Usually, I do not put a lot of emphasis on helping patients select their beds. I give them some advice, but in essence, they really have to kind of find it, figure it out for themselves. Because once I recommended a firm mattress for a patient. I did not know that she needs something firmer. She went to Africa and slept on the ground. I don't know a mattress that you can recommend that is ground for the answer instead of a firm mattress, but she needed something firmer than firm. And so when you have those little, those small differences, it makes it a little challenging to actually recommend a mattress. So I tell them, I'll give you a starting point and then you're going to have to figure it out from there. And it takes about 30 days for a mattress to really be broken in anyway. But a lot of people don't know that when they pur- until they purchase a mattress, usually the their information is given to them. So the first 30 days are horrible anyway on a mattress.
0: So how did you find yourself getting into becoming a chiropractor? Was it what you wanted to do originally? Or was it something that you felt as along your journey that you found this is something that I can really put myself into and become great at?
1: Ever since I was six, I've always wanted to be a doctor. And so along the way, I have always had people come along to just fuel that dream. I was for the longest wanting to be a neurosurgeon. I Found out about neurosurgery. I've always had an, a fascination with the nervous system. And so neurosurgeon was the track that I was on until the summer after my junior year in undergrad. I had an opportunity to work with the med campus. There was a program on there for high school students wanting to aspire to become doctors on the St. Louis U, St. Louis University's uh, Med campus. And at the time, they Typically do not allow undergraduates to work as a program coordinator, but my name came highly recommended. So that allowed me to meet some of the administrative and the dean, one of the deans on the med campus. And as they became my mentor, a question was asked of me, and that was, What do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, Oh, I'm going to be a neurosurgeon. I was all proud. My chest was stuck all out. Well, I'm going to be a neurosurgeon. Well, They asked me a question that kind of shifted me towards chiropractic. And she asked me, do you plan on having children? Would you like to have a family one day? I said, of course, I want to have a family. She said, well, have you thought about all the hours that you would need to dedicate to the hospital? And I said, yeah. And I've been thinking about that lately. And so when I started to research chiropractic and found that I was still able to work with the nervous system, but not have to. I can I can maneuver my time as necessary. I was more excited about it as I continue to learn about it because I've always said I want my children to know me, not the nanny. I've seen too many lifetime stories, and I was like, no, they can't be me. I saw the hand that rocked the cradle. I wasn't very happy. So, neurosurgery. I mean, neurosurgery. I changed my shift from came with the chiropractor, and I love it. I am so passionate about it and my patients can tell as well. I've been practicing 14 years. I've had my own practice 12.
0: Well, congratulations. Thank you. So in in your practice, have you how has the pandemic changed things for you in terms of the way that you would usually operate?
1: Well, as far as maintaining cleanliness and sanitizing none of that changed for me because i was already doing that prior to covid i'm sort of a germaphobe so my patients have always seen me wipe down the table in between every patient i let them come in the room first to see me wipe it down i i don't give them the assumption i don't allow them to assume it's clean but I wipe it all down and then I spray my Lysol on it. They see me sterilizing everything. If they blink long enough, I might sterilize them just to keep it from any germs coming in. But they appreciate that. And so because my patients knew I was already big on cleanliness and making sure things were sterilized, my practice actually tripled during pandemic because they were they felt safe coming to my office. And they loved being cared for, and they knew it would boost their immune system.
0: That's really nice. I mean, that even like for just like word of mouth marketing, that's incredible.
1: Yes, definitely huge word of mouth. And actually, there were people traveling into St. Louis to come be seen because they were hearing so much about me during this pandemic, more than it has ever been prior to COVID.
0: Where would he say is the farthest? Do you you know that someone has come from Florida? From Florida, from all the way to I mean, that's incredible, St.
1: Louis. Yes, and <laughs> I recently just had an opportunity to work with a former, a former WWE wrestler from Florida.
0: That's amazing
1: yes he heard about me and when he came in he said okay now look i've heard a lot of good things about you so let's let's see what's 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 pretty much what's the hype is what he said but yeah. and he's That's coming working. back for an encore uh, performance he was like yeah I can that. That and so it worked out great he felt great he could definitely see feel the difference in his body and he loved it
0: So whenever you are adjusting someone, what is it, first of all, that you are adjusting? Like if someone were to come in off the street and you saw that they needed to be adjusted, what are some of the things that you would say that you can see just like first look at a a patient?
1: So one of the things is I'm looking at you from the moment you're walking in the door. That's when my assessment began. You're walking. Even before the door, I can see you walk past my window sometimes if I'm in the area of the office and I'm watching you. And so some of the things that I will see when you're walking, I would look at your shoulders. How are your arms swinging in tandem? So as your legs walk, does the opposite arm swing? A lot of people, you could tell their arms are not swinging. So that would give me indication they have some shoulder issues. How do they hold their head? Is there a tilt one way to the or to one side or the other? And I can dis- differentiate: Do they have knee pain versus hip pain by how their legs are sw- swinging or how their how what their cadence is when they're walking? I can tell if they have feet issues. So the exam really begins from the moment you walk in. But when someone comes in to be treated, I do a thorough exam, head to toe, regardless of you coming in saying, "Oh my." Elbow hurts. I check everything because the nerves that control the elbow come from your neck. So I need to check the neck and the back and the areas that are connected because there may be other areas that is adding to your issue or causing it.
0: Okay, so whenever someone, as you said, they walk through, walk in the back room or wherever you conduct the uh, adjustment. The yeah, yeah. They. What happens is you look at how they. It's how they walk, how they're holding their uh, their shoulders, the way that they're moving their gait, and also you look at their like legs and make sure that they aren't doing anything like one knee or the hips aren't out of alignment as well.
1: Yes, and so although that would be my beginning, I what I love about my initial exam with the patient. It's because it's the fact that I'll get information from them, but I start connecting dots. I'm such a teacher. I'm such a teacher. And so they'll say, oh, my neck hurts. And I say, okay, that's nice. Where does it hurt? And I allow them to share with me what's going over the neck. But then I start asking questions that they don't even realize is connected to their neck pain. I say, oh, are you having headaches or migraines? And they're like, yeah, I do have headaches how many times a headache or I ask them how many times a week or where is the headache located and they tell me that and they don't know they just gave me more information or what area of the neck I need to look at to treat for them or I may ask them are you having blurry vision and they're looking at me like yeah I am having blurry vision why did you ask that there's a particular area of the neck that I would adjust or line back up and it will help them with their blurry vision. Plus, that also tells me their sinuses are clogged. In some cases, and I'll unclog their sinuses. And they're like, "Oh, I can breathe. I didn't know I couldn't breathe that well."
0: So chiropractic doesn't. Oh, awesome. So chiropractic just doesn't deal with the back. It has to do with everything connected. Everything. So it's, as you said before, you wanted to go into neurosurgery and then you found this other method of doing essentially the same sort of adjustments and treatments rather than having to go directly into the person like from the skull. You can just do it uh, topically and you can push, press, pull, poke and whatever outside and then on the inside it can have the same effect does it have the same effect as if you were to do surgery or is it something that as you continue that needs to be done on a continuing basis for it to actually heal completely
1: right so when a patient comes to me they do based on what I find on them I do put them on a what is called an active treatment plan and that active treatment plan will be over so many weeks or a couple of months, depending on what is going on with them. However, in my office, I'm able to gauge about how many visits you will need after your third adjustment. In my office, I work in threes because I tell my patients, you should see a major improvement within three, something you can hang your hat on and say, hey, this is better. In three visits. After that third treatment, you should say, I'm sleeping better. You know, I'm breathing better. I don't get as winded when I go up the steps. You should be able to tell me something. And so once though the active treatment plan has gone through and I've gotten you to your best self, then we we work out if you want to maintain, be on a maintenance schedule. I don't force you to do anything in my office. And a lot of times my patients ask to be on a maintenance schedule. I have never asked a patient, Will you please come in every two weeks to maintain this? Because they are learning about their bodies and understand how that their bodies work at best when they're adjusted. My patients are telling me, Hey, put me down for every two weeks. I want to stand in appointment every week. So I haven't had to ask anyone, they've asked me.
0: So what's the main cause of back pain they would say you use? come across in your practice
1: well what i'll do is i'll answer that question with just with regards to pandemic because there's so many factors that can cause yeah back pain in my practice during the pandemic the back pain has been coming from sitting so much sitting and during pandemic we're sitting in front of zoom we're sitting at home. We're working from home, so now we're not getting up and having to walk and drive when we were at when we were staying at home. So a lot of patients were playing the back pain from sitting, but the sitting wasn't just only back; it was hips. The hips and back tend to really feed off of each other, and so with people sitting, not stretching, not moving, those were sending them right on into my office. And there was one muscle one particular muscle and there were other muscle groups but there was one particular muscle that I was adjusting like clockwork on patients and lo- having to help loosen it up for them and it was called the psoas muscle and once I touched that muscle you would agree that it was one sore ass muscle but I didn't name the muscle the muscle is actually called the psoas muscle <laughs> I didn't make that up but I do play on it play on the word and let, and they say oh that hurt Dr. Peebles And I was like, well, let me just work on it. We're going to get it loose. And once it's loosened, they move just fine.
0: Where's that muscle located?
1: This muscle happens to start on the inside. The inner part of your thigh comes up across your waist and wrap around to the back. And it attaches right near the lower back where it starts to curve inward. So that muscle is a pretty long muscle. And it is crossing so many different areas of the back. So it's crossing the hip. Is crossing into the lower back. It's just those are the insertion where it attaches. That's why your back hurts. And that's why it hurts to go from sitting to standing. Like, oh, I have to stand there and kind of work my way up to standing straight. It's most likely the sore ass muscle.
0: So are there any exercises people can do at home in order to to work that muscle out, to stretch it out, to make it more pliable so you won't have that. And I'm sitting, and then they go to standing and then and it pops or it, or, it, or it strains.
1: There, I love for to encourage my patients to lean to the side. We, we forget about our basic stretches that we've learned in the gym, where we take one arm and we lean to the one side and stretch. That's one of the, it, one of the stretches I remind them to do again because it starts to loosen up the muscles on the sides of the hips. And then I say, lean back. Some of them are familiar with Fat Joe. Uh, when they had the song, lean back, I say, think about that song, lean back. And and try to stretch as well. So do some extension, because you've been in flexion for a prolonged period of time. So do some extension, and then also work on those glutes. So do some squats, do some lunges, and they'll help those muscles to become more pliable and when it comes to core not everyone especially my particular patients but not all of them can really do the traditional what you would think of for abs ab workout and for those who are able I tell you do planks if you practice your plank with good form you're going to work the whole body and the longer you can stay there the better you're going to get so sometimes I give them planks and then depending on what their flexibility is, I will give them other exercises.
0: So are there any any chairs, any kind of things someone might need to find in a reliable chair that would allow them to not feel that strength as much?
1: Well, part of the, the concerns with chairs is wondering about the level. And this varies from patient to patient, of course, and based on your height, but you have to pay attention to if your thighs are parallel to the floor or do they dip down. If they're dipping downward when you're sitting in that chair, that's going to pull at the hip and eventually cause issues with your hips and lower back. So you have to pay attention to how your feet hit the floor and if you have a 90 degree bend in your knee. And then another thing is with the back. A lot of times people want to have something in that curvature of that lower back. But if you're doing prolonged sitting, I ask my patients to put a towel just slightly higher than that, where it's a slight curve going outward where your back is bumping up. Put a check towel there to help support it because we tend to sit and roll inward the longer we're sitting. But when you have that support and that right above the lower back, it helps keep your chest up, your shoulders back and lets and decreases the back aches
0: so another thing that over the years in terms of having to just having 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 some issues with back pain and also from seeing different people and how they walk as you said your your first look judgment at a patient walking in the other thing is their posture and how long usually would you say it takes for someone to fix their posture?
1: Well, on your own, you can definitely sh- stretch and weightlifting, strength training, strength training is huge, but a lot of people are afraid of it sometimes. Sometimes they're afraid of it because they say they want to they don't want to bulk up. You don't have to bulk up with the proper research. You'll know what your weights should be for what results you desire. And then I often share with my patients exercises they can do if they have to be at work from the website called Straighten Up America. And so there are little exercises you can do daily and stretches that will help those muscles stay flexible and continue to strengthen as well. But you cannot fully, you can, but you won't reach your maximum posture correction without getting the chiropractic treatments to make sure the joints are in their proper location. If the joints are not lined up correctly, it doesn't matter how much you tighten up your muscles and strengthen them. They will strengthen in the wrong position and then you still won't have maximum movement.
0: So you need to make sure that you said uh, weightlifting is good for posture, but you need to make sure it, that you you know what you're doing in terms of what amount of weight is right for you in terms of lifting and making sure you're not going to strain or tear anything.
1: And making sure you have proper form when you're weightlifting.
0: You mention up a website. It's um, Straighten Up America.
1: Straighten Up America. And they have all these cute little exercises. They have cute names for them like the hummingbird, the butterfly, the star. That, that real, that, I mean, they didn't ask me how to name them, but they were real cute when I married though.
0: That's nice. So I'm gonna put that in the description down below as well. So, yeah, uh, you have a book that judicious people to chiropractic, and it's called, it's called Sex Send Me to the Chiropractic. In that book, is it that you, you talk about someone's experience and how they needed an adjustment? After intercourse. And so, can you just briefly explain some of the things that people can do to prevent extra strain that they might cause to their body?
1: So, what inspired the book was I wanted to help address issues of the sexual reproductive system. People do not realize that chiropractic treatment actually impacts your sexual health and other parts other systems of the body and when I was writing the book I was so inspired to teach I'm always in the teaching position and I want to bring chiropractic to people there are three main ways things are marketed to people money sex and drugs well drugs chiropractors do not prescribe drugs that's just by description by By law, that's not what we do as chiropractors. We treat you without prescribing medicine. So, of course, I wasn't going to talk about chiropractic through the avenue of drugs. Then there was money. Well, people automatically assume we cost a lot of money. So, I wasn't getting ready to come and try to teach you about chiropractic through the avenue of money. People are often concerned about their sex and performance, or they're entertained if you say sex, people giggle. And so, I wanted to bring use something that they recognize and to bait them to tell them what chiropractic to start to share with them what chiropractic is and how it can benefit them so in the book sex Sex sent me to the chiropractor yes there are scenarios in which people were injured during intercourse but there are people who were injured in being sexy and then it also addresses how chiropractic addresses issues with the sexual reproductive system, such as menopause, such as pregnancy, menstrual cycles, erectile dysfunction, libido, all of that can be addressed with adjustments and improved. So you this book follows eight characters. They are on a chiropractic retreat, a weekend retreat. Some of them are actual patients of the chiropractor in the book, and some of them are friends of the patients who just joined them as their plus one at the retreat. And so you follow them through the weekend as they are learning different things about their body and how chiropractic actually can benefit that. And so you actually see, I don't want to give away the story, but you do see improvements based on that. And and I actually have patients that come in and share that. So when it comes to back pain, and it's not just back pain that's injured during intercourse or being sexy, it's also the hips, the neck, the jaw. I mean, some people can get pretty creative.
0: So it's also, so in the book you talk about that adjustment of the, of the spine can also help with reproduction. And so have you seen in your practice an instance where someone was having issues in terms of being able to create a child and after they had visited you, they were able to get pregnant?
1: Yes. I have I have several stories, but there in one instance I had a young lady come to me. A couple of young ladies, but I've had one young lady that comes to mind that was told she was infertile. And she was very young. She had been trying to have a baby with her, her partner, for the longest, and they just could not reproduce. So when she came to me, she came to me for another issue related to the back. But I always asked about the other systems of the body. And so she wasn't able to produce, but part of the reason why she wasn't able to reproduce was she couldn't have a regular period. And I said, okay, let's work with me first. Let's see if we can get that period, your menstrual cycle regulated, then we can worry about trying to have a baby. So after a month or so of treatments, she started to have regular periods. She started to have a period. Well, now we have menstrual cycles. And by the end of the year, she was calling me, telling me she was pregnant. I was that's, super excited for her.
0: That's incredible. And so and in terms of... Later, yeah. She now has two. <laughs> she now has two babies.
1: She now has two babies.
0: Oh, wow. That's incredible. So in terms of doing that, was there something, was the a... Uh, let me think. Was there a specific adjustment that you did in order to help foster an environment where she would be able to to create children
1: yes so when it comes to issues with the sexual organs in general or the bladder the same nerve root that the joint space that this particular nerve comes through is the same nerve that goes to the knees the uterus and the bladder and by lining that joint space up so that that nerve can heal, her knees are doing better. So people who typically have chronic knee pain or discomfort, they tend to see issues with their menstrual cycles. They tend to see issues with their sexual produ- uh, performance. Like they might not have an erection as long or their libido is just, it's not there. And so, yes, there was one one particular area that I lined up on her that allowed her to have increased her chances of having a regular menstrual cycle and increased her chances for having a pregnancy.
0: And so if you were to go to, if someone were to go to a chiropractor, uh, could they ask for that particular adjustment or would the chiropractor have to discern whether or not they should perform that adjustment on them?
1: No, the chiropractor should be able to do that. It depends on how the the chiropractor practices. In chiropractic, we have the doctors focused on certain areas of the body and they perform different techniques that may or may not address it. So you can't really just go to any chiropractor and say, hey, I want to improve my fertility and I want this particular adjustment. However, there are doctors that have many different techniques that they can use to help foster that fertility. But be sure that, that, that that's what that doctor specializes in because we have chiropractors that specializes in sports injuries. And so they may not focus so much on, let's get you pregnant because that looks good with your tennis swing.
0: Is it the the different areas of chiropractics in terms of like the different types of mechanics So some mechanics that work on older cars, newer cars, and cars. Okay. So what is the most common chiropractor that you would, that you would find if you'd look for a chiropractor?
1: So in chiropractic, there are more than 200 techniques. And as chiropractic physicians, we are, versed in multiple techniques i myself use three different techniques in my office but there's one particular technique that i specialize in that i am that that's that's my main specialty and that's called the activator method but majority of the doctors that you will come across will be diversified or manual just adjusters they use their hands with activator method i use a tool that is a blunt tip spring loaded tool And I use that and it gets right up on the joint and it just thumps it back in place. It doesn't feel like anything because the tool moves so quickly, your brain doesn't have a chance to process it as something having moved your joint, but you can hear it. So my patients often say, especially if they're new, it sounds like they're being stapled. And so jokingly, they would say, so doc, when will these staples come out? I say, oh, don't worry about it. They'll wash out in the shower tonight.
0: Now, is that that because uh, there's some kind of news you like post to I think it's like Instagram and Facebook, and they have these videos of uh, of patients coming in, and then they, they take a hammer and it looks like this huge chisel, and they like tap 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 with this <laughs> crack sound. Is is that the same? No, no,
1: no, no. no. Mine's <laughs> not at all. <laughs> this is not sculpt. Well, that's it's not sculpting in that sense. So. But the tool that I use, uh, my patients describe it as a pogo stick. It looks like a little miniature pogo stick.
0: All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you <laughs> now that
1: makes sense about. what it looks.
0: Like. <laughs> so, whenever you are adjusting someone, is it is the the crack that people hear? Is it good when you hear the crack, and is it also helpful when you don't hear the crack? Because there have been some in terms of, in my own experiences, sometimes it'd be a crack or there's sometimes the chiropractor would make the movement and there wouldn't be a crack. Is the, is the crack something that is helpful or it just happens sometimes?
1: Okay, so the crack. <laughs> well, the crack, we, we don't call it crack. Yeah. We don't call it cracking. Eggs get cracked we adjust. Yeah, that's the cute little response we have. (laughs) But the sound that you're hearing of the joints movement is not necessary for you to have achieved an adjustment. It does happen. That's the gas moving through the joints as they're being moved quickly. However, in my office, you do not hear that at all because with the tool, I'm not creating that noise. The only noise you hear is the clicking of the tool the the stapling sound if you will and so no the the crack is not necessary for you to feel like you've achieved an adjustment but that because I don't do the popping that people are associate with chiropractic that actually has gained my following of patients because there is such a huge population of patient of potential patients who will want to come in but they're afraid to have their neck twisted or they're afraid to hear that popping sound. And once I teach them that they don't have to hear that in my office and that you actually lay down face down the whole time I'm adjusting you, it puts them at ease and then they actually enjoy it and come in. My patients are as young as two weeks old or a week old on up to, I have 90-year-old patients in my office and they love getting adjusted by this because it's not as aggressive. But yet they still get well.
0: That's incredible. So as you said, it was just the the gas passing through the through the joints that whenever you pop it, you twist it and then you expose it. And that makes it okay. Yeah. Cause I always wondered, like sometimes you hear the crack, sometimes I don't hear the crack. I'm sorry. I, sometimes you hear the adjustment. <laughs> so other times I don't hear the adjustment. And it, it makes you wonder, like, did they, did they really do something that was, like, helpful? Yeah. Or was it just, like, a little, like, you know, like, neck twist kind of thing? So, like, all of
1: if you, in, when you're in that situation, even though you didn't hear it, you should be able to feel improved range of motion. You should be able to move your neck better. Oh, yeah. And as long as you can move better, the adjustment worked.
0: It worked. Okay. Good to know. All right. So, in terms of you, you said that you tripled your practice during the pandemic, which is, that's incredible. What would you say, apart from people reaching out to their friends or family, word-of-mouth marketing, what would you say really expanded your business during that time? Were there any tools or systems that you put into place that would allow you to accommodate that much of an influx of people coming in?
1: Because I treat my office as a learning facility, I always make sure my patients know what I am doing. And I'm always explaining to them, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. Because when they walk out in that office, they they come across people that say, well, what happened? And if my patient cannot communicate what happened to them in the office, I have failed them. And also I have failed myself because you're out there talking about Dr. People and you can't tell tell people what I've done. That's bad. Oh no, don't bring that back because it will get back to me. St. Louis is small. (laughs) So my name is at risk, but I make sure my patients know exactly what it is that I've done. But the best part about it is that I invite them to bring someone with them so that they can see it. Because with the particular technique that I do, you can see the immediate reaction of the body being corrected. And they are like wild. They're they they they're amazed by what they see. And they're like, are you doing voodoo? And I'm like, no, I'm not doing voodoo. This is science. This is anatomy and physiology that I'm doing. But the body immediately reacts and you can see it. And so I've, I've objectified what I do that now it's not abstract. They can say, oh yes, she adjusted this on me and now I don't get winded or she did this on me or because I had this pain, this is why I was tossing and turning at night. This is why I was feeling constipated or having indigestion. I teach their specifics and then they go out, they share it and that patient ends up getting folks that say, well, I need help with X, Y, Z. And then they call me and come in. And also because they actually get results. I don't just keep adjusting. They actually see the improvement and the improvements are long lasting.
0: So do you have like uh, handbooks and pamphlets in your office to educate people on on what chiropractic is and how it can help them whenever they come in and sit down?
1: I do have pamphlets. However, if you don't sit down long in my office, based on the way I schedule them, I want you coming in the door and getting to the table. So they rarely have a wait time, but most of their learning is hands-on. And then I have a diagram that I use each time I am adjusting them. And then I show them their improvement. So I bring out the previous diagrams from previous visits and we line them up side by side so they can see. This is what's improved. This is what I didn't have to correct today because it's now balanced and your body is maintaining. So with them being able to see that and have visuals, they use that as their tool for teaching others.
0: Wow. So it's really incredible. It must be to someone who has had just horrible like back pain or just regular pains about their body for a very long time to see the the before image and then the after image of where they were at that time, that must be something that's incredible to them.
1: It's incredible to them. it's incredible to me i've I've been doing this for more than ten years, and I'm still just in shock to see how well these people respond. One of my most memorable moments was when an older an older lady came in and she was so used to bending forward always she as long as I've known her she's always walked bent over with her arms behind her back and she had such bad asthma and other issues and when she came in and was adjusted when she walked out of my office down this hallway towards the front door there's the big window and her reflection she could see her reflection in the window and she couldn't believe that she saw herself standing upright for the first time in years. And she stood there for a minute and just stared at herself because she couldn't believe she was standing upright. She wasn't, she was walking upright. And those moments that I'm lucky enough that I get to see those kind of moments daily. Every time I'm in the office, I get to see the amazement on people's faces that of being able to do things that they hadn't done in years. Or in weeks. I just recently received a video from a patient. She came into my office on a walker. She had, had she had, had bilateral knee replacement. And even and this was a couple of years prior to getting to me. After that knee replacement, she couldn't stand up. She just couldn't wait, bear weight very well. The most she could do was be on this walker. She came to me, she was coming to me for about a month and a half or so. And she sent me a video of her dancing at her daughter's wedding without the walker, without any assistance. I was like, Yes, and she was dancing to Beyonce. I mean, she was getting it. And she was saying, Thanks to Dr. Peebles, I was able to dance at my daughter's wedding. I was like, I just all snotted up now. And so it was just wonderful watching her.
0: Well, that's amazing and so in your in your practice being chiropractor, how many other would you say female chiropractors of color have you seen in your practice?
1: How many females in general do I see in my practice
0: uh yes, and also specifically that of um I'm oh, in my color. field
1: okay yeah. so in my office, probably. 80%, 80, 85% are females, and the rest are men. The men are growing because they're telling their friends. That number has definitely been growing in the past three years because they're just amazed. But men, that's a whole different show for us getting to the doctor. that That's a whole, we, that's a whole nother show. We'll need another hour for that. But majority of my practice do contain that uh, it is women. For us female chiropractors, well, there's already just 2% of us that are African-American or of color in the field, just barely 2%. So being that it's a male-dominated field, definitely less than 1% or the number of African-American females.
0: So in being that less than 1%, uh, in your experience in getting your education in chiropractics, was there any difficulty that you experienced in terms of whether it be interaction with, uh, with faculty or even as someone that a patient could trust if if they were prejudiced? Did you have any of those experiences?
1: Yeah, to some degree, yes. But when it came to faculty, I, at this moment, just can't recall any blatant racism. I'm not saying it wasn't there, but there are certain experiences I did not have. I am aware of other people who have had some discord during their journey through school, but I can't pinpoint why I was able to navigate with less traumatic experiences. I, I don't have that data, but I will say I definitely had a challenge good getting through it, but the, if it was quite a bit of an undertaking and I'll circle back to that in a moment so there was it's definitely challenging for anybody to get through chiropractic, but I f- tend to have found or find myself in to be in a nurturing environment to some degree, not from everyone, but there were some nurturers along the way that was just very unexpected during my time there, even when I created something that had not been done at the school they When when I was going through, things have changed now, but when I was going through chiropractic, we had to do marketing to get new patients in while we were interns. And so some of the marketing opportunities that they had were way out there where the school was. And I was from the city of St. Louis. My roots were from the city of St. Louis. And so I needed to appeal to them and not only to the people in the, areas such as Chesterfield, St. Charles, that's pretty far out. And so those marketing opportunities were really for out there. So what I did was I created my own opportunity and I ended up creating the first all chiropractic, the all chiropractic health fair. And I, what did I do? I had a correspondence and a collaboration between Logan and Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority. I'm a member of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. And so I did a collaboration between Logan University and Sigma Gamma Rho and put on this health fair in which we taught the community about chiropractic. And in that same health fair, I was able to help 20 other interns get their marketing hours, acquired patients for them to help get their due patient numbers and treatment numbers. And so it was all around very helpful for everyone and everyone learned something. But I was, I received so much support from faculty that said, yes, I stand behind her. I'll help her. I'll be there. And I never expected them to do it. I just said, "Okay, I'm going to do it and see what they say. And they said, yes. And we did it for two, three years. Even after I graduated, I continued to come back to school and we did the health fair. So that was my experience. But that was not everyone's experience. That was very unique to me. When I said that Logan had a very challenging curriculum, I laugh about it now. When I first got there, our first semester was about 27 credit hours, 27 credit hours. And I remember asking administration, I said, 27, like, is that like a translation? Like a... It's like 18 and 21, but you say it's 26. They was like, no, ma'am, it's 26. I was like, what? What's that look like? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Let me tell you what 26 hours look like. 13 classes. Oh, yeah, I had seven lectures and six labs. I was like, they were for real. I was in class from 7.20 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Monday through Friday.
0: Yeah, that much.
1: Can you imagine that?
0: I can't I can't even think about that. That is wh-
1: That was just the first semester. So when you get through the first semester, you came back. Oh, you're still here. Okay, this semester we're going to do 27 credit hours. I was like because I hadn't lost all my hair the first semester, what? So, got through that, lost all my friends. And you know who your real friends are by the second semester cuz yeah. you don't have <laughs> for a social life so we come in that's 27 credit hours i got through that i was like yeah and they was like oh (laughs) you're still here huh (laughs) 29 credit hours i was like what so then i said i kid you not i got up to 33 credit hours at one point in one semester and that was going to school from sunday to sunday i had class on the weekend. And I was in class from 8 o'clock to 4 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday. And those were elective classes. Plus my classes during Monday through Friday. Plus, by this point, I'm in clinic taking care of patients in the evening. You know, so (laughs) I don't know how I made it.
0: But you're here now. I'm here.
1: I am here. Even if I might have to buy some hair, I might have lost some along the way. (laughs)
0: So in terms of just starting out, were there any complications? What was the learning curve in terms of starting your own independent practice away from your from where you were educated, especially, as you said, in terms of the whole uh, marketing aspect of it? That didn't really connect back to where you wanted to practice. So was there, did you have any instances where, you encounter different failures they had to overcome. What were those obstacles?
1: Even when I was in high school and everything I did was always intentional. And I knew that I wanted to be a doctor way back when I was six. So everything I did was always leading to or planting seeds towards me being in practice. But I never realized I was going to be in private practice. I never thought of it that way. But everything I did led up to that. So... People that were my patients when I was an intern, they later followed me to my practice when I opened my doors and became my patients and I grew from there. So I was very fortunate that the roots that I had put down in St. Louis really has helped me and continues to help me. I continue to have people who just know me. If you say Danielle Peebles here, within three people, not six, which within three people, you can find someone that actually knows me and most likely can call me up on the phone. And so by me having planting that roots, the marketing, I don't have to spend a lot of money on big external marketing. It was, oh, we know Dr. Peebles. Oh, we know Danielle Peebles. I remember when she was this tall. I remember when she was in this school. Yes, I would go to her. And so that before you have to always be mindful of the impression that you're leaving on people. Because I have patients who are the parents of people I went to school with. That's the type of impression I made on them as a child coming up. They were watching me. You never know who's watching you. So be mindful of your actions at all times. I'm not saying be hindered or be censored, but be mindful that people are always watching you. And those very same people that watched me as a child were happy to come and support me in my practice. Well. Not quite right away, but some of the main things I have to do is educate. And because I've become so good at educating, teaching people how to communicate chiropractic and teaching them what I'm doing, that has been the part that grows my practice. Some of the marketing things I've learned was I really don't need all the big commercials, the big billboards. I did So I didn't spend a lot of money on that. But I've really worked on, if I have at least one patient, if I make that impression on them and teach them how to communicate for me, they'll go out and be my walking billboard. That's an even better, an interactive billboard than the one that's up on the highway.
0: Yeah, people walk up to them and say, like, oh, they have awesome posture. Like, who do you go to? It's like, hey, go to that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that will be cool. But actually, what what happens is, you were lipping last week. why are you standing up straight?" or or yeah. one patient went to church and ran around the church. He was like, "She hit me. I said, "I don't have. It. I'm thinking I'm performing miracles now. That, I can't live up to that."
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, Dr. Peeble's just been a pleasure talking to you. I have another question for you, and that is, if you had the ability to send a worldwide text what would your message be?
1: My message would be, no matter where you're starting, do not compare yourself to someone else. Your starting point is never the same starting point as the next person. When I was starting out in practice, it was easy to say, well, they're doing this, they're making more money, they're busy, they have this, but you never know where they started from where someone may be starting from zero, someone may be starting from negative 10, someone may be starting from 20 because someone has already given them the space to start their practice in. So don't compare yourself. That's the text. Don't compare yourself to the next person. Be your best self and be your better self today than you were yesterday.
0: Yeah, that's a really nice text to have. Well, thank you, Dr. Peebles, for this wonderful conversation.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate this opportunity to spend this time with you. And I look forward to hearing from you again.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Instagram at TheBlackGoldPod in order to be updated about new episodes each week. In order to listen to incredible and inspiring stories, please go to the Black Gold Podcast website and make a donation so the stories of these incredible and amazing people We'll be waiting for you each and every week so that you may be inspired and become an inspiration to someone else. If you want to stay updated on the podcast or be in the know with the various things that I'm up to, you can sign up for the MTY midweek newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get access to a weekly email every Wednesday with behind the scenes of the podcast and other projects that I am currently up to. So make sure to visit blackgoldpod.com and sign up for the MTY Midweek Wednesday newsletter below.